and it wouldn't become an endurance race. I guess that one time they kept it twice as long, went an additional week. Uh, that was a very inspiring time, and uh, as a result of that extra inspiration, they were able to do that, and I suppose enjoy it all the way through. <coughs> anyway, God is still very much alive and knows exactly what's going on in the world and in our lives, and even counts the hair on our heads, so uh, He's very, very attentive to everything we want and need, and He will do the very best He can for us to help us prepare for His kingdom. Sometimes that's blessing, sometimes that's adversity. It just depends on what we need to to get us going and keep us going. Well, last time we got into Ezekiel 14 some, uh, and it shows personal accountability in that chapter, and how that even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were here when God releases His judgments on this nation, that they could only save themselves. In that sense, uh, it's every man for himself in his relationship with God, because nobody else can pray for you, nobody else can control your mind, uh, nobody else can do what you need to do. It has to be a personal responsibility. So God narrows it down to that, and he, He pronounces four judgments sword, famine, noisome beast, and pestilence, and says, if you want delivered from these, deliver yourself. Now, the way I put that, it's not on you. He is the one who works his salvation in us. But it is a personal responsibility for us to seek him so that his salvation can work in us. So he lays it on us personally, and we'll see more of that Uh, in the book of Ezekiel before we're done. Very explicit along those lines. Then he shows in chapter 15 that Israel had become more a vine than it was a tree, and uh, a vine such as Israel had become isn't worth anything. You make a little, little bit of firewood out of it, but it's not even really good for fire because it's so small that it burns up quickly. But he says, just like you throw... Vines in the fire, I'm going to throw Jerusalem, or Israel, in the fire. So, uh, chapter 16 then, where we are today, is another very, very severe indictment that he puts on the church, and he puts on uh, the nations of Israel as well. And we see a parallel between chapter 16 here and Revelation 18, Uh, of the prophesied great whore of Revelation uh, of Babylon. And he says, Depart from her there, that you be not partaker of her plagues and her her sins and her plagues. Uh, So we find uh, people have their theories about Revelation 18, and most Protestants think that the great whore of Revelation 18 is a Catholic church. But if you examine it carefully, verse by verse, you'll find that the characteristics God mentions of that whore uh, do not fit the Catholic Church. It's just the Protestants have this thing about the Catholics, and so they try to pin that honor. But let's read Ezekiel 16 and see what God says about Israel, and, and then compare it with Revelation 18 and see what you come up with. So Ezekiel 16, again the word of the Eternal came to me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. Now, The kingdom uh, at times was divided between the northern tribes called Israel and the southern tribes called Judah. They're all Israelites, of course, and Samaria was the capital of the northern tribes, Jerusalem being the capital of the southern tribes. So sometimes God separates them in specific prophecies, and sometimes in the prophecies they're joined together. Uh, and I, I think that that is the case here in Ezekiel 16, that when he says Jerusalem, uh, we know in Hebrews 12 that in the New Testament, Christ speaks of the church as Jerusalem. Uh, but this nation is made up mostly of people who were not of uh, the southern or Judea, Judaic tribes. Uh, we're Ephraim. 
So, and he speaks of us as Jerusalem, or as spiritual Jews. So the terms are somewhat fluid and can go back and forth. Uh, and I think that when you read Revelation 18 and see the characteristics there, they fit America. And that's the only place they do fit. Uh, there are things that are said in there, as well as in Jeremiah 50 and 51, that can only apply to this nation. Like in Jeremiah, where it says it's a hammer of the whole earth. Here in the end time, there's no other nation that fits that. And uh, it says there in Revelation 18 that we have made the nations rich because of merchants and so on. Well, we made Japan rich, <clears throat> and we moved over and made Japan, China rich, and other nations around the world. And I would say to the Protestants, the Catholic Church has never made anybody rich. Anytime they've gone into a country, they've taken everything they had back to Rome, whether it was Mexico and South America or wherever. They haven't enriched anybody except themselves. So that's just two little quick examples, and there are many, many others in those scriptures. But he said, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. <clears throat> so he's going to give a dissertation here on some of the abominable things that our people do, and we uh, among them. And say, <clears throat> thus says eternal God to Jerusalem, your birth and your nativity is of the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother was an Hittite. Now if we go back in the history in Genesis, we find that that was not literally true. Uh, Israel came from where? Abraham and Sarah. And that was our origin. And then it came on down through Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. So there's our heritage laid out for us in the Old Testament. Well, is this a contradiction? No. Uh, let's see where they grew into a nation and understand what they looked like. He said, they, you don't look like my people. That's right off the bat, what he's beginning to say. You look like Gentile nations. You don't look like anything special or different. Uh, if I was to look at you and look at the way you act and the way you live, I'd say, well, you must be Amorites and Hittites. Uh, you don't look like Israelites to me. You're not my people. So let's go on and see about their nativity in verse 4. As for your nativity, in the day that you were born, your navel was not cut, neither were you washed in water to supple you. You were not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied you to do any of these to you to have compassion upon you, but you were cast out in the open field to the loathing of your person in the day that you were born. Well, where were they born? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob... And then Jacob's son, Joseph, was sold into Mitzrayim. We call it Egypt. And when Jacob came down to join his son there, there were only 70 people. You can't call that a nation yet. Just 70, just a big family is all it was. Well, where were they then? Where were they born and where did they grow up? In slavery, in Egypt. And did the Egyptians take good care of them? No, as they grew and grew, the Egyptians began to fear them and despise them, tried to kill all their males. <coughs> Excuse me, they didn't take care of them beyond when they first came there and were sent into the land of Goshen. They were taken care of by Joseph initially, but it went all downhill from there. So when he's referring to their birth as a nation, when they became big enough to even be called a nation, it was not in the promised land, it was not under the leadership and rulership of God, but it was in the land of Pharaoh and the Hamitic peoples. So they weren't there to take care of them. So Thank you. And when I passed by you and saw you polluted in your own blood, I said to you, when you were in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you, when you were in your blood, live. Now remember, when God did 
caused Moses to appear to them. And Moses told them, Obey God. And even he did not know who God was for a long time, I doubt. Not until he went out into the desert, and then he came upon the burning bush, and God introduced himself. Uh, he had only known the gods of the Egyptians up to that point, probably. He might have heard a little bit here and there, but this, I mean, this is, a, this is 400 years after they'd gone into Egypt. And when he said, worship God, they said, which one? We got lots around here. Uh, which one you want us to pick? <laughs> the God of alligators or the God of flies? or uh, which, which one is good? Because they didn't know God anymore. So that's, this is what he's describing is when they became a nation. Verse 7, I have caused you to multiply as the bud of the field. And the Egyptians even said they bred like rabbits. <clears throat> and you have increased and waxed great. And are come to excellent ornaments. Your breasts are fashioned and your hair is grown, whereas you were naked and bare. In other words, they were growing up as a, like a woman, uh, as a nation. They weren't, they weren't a little girl anymore, but they had reached size and maturity uh, and become a nation, if you will. So he's discussing puberty here. Now, when I passed by you... And looked upon you, behold, the time was the time of love. So they had reached the point of maturity, time of marriage, time of, uh, of being a grown-up nation. And I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. Well, how were they naked? They were slaves within the land of Mitzrayim. And as a slave, you have no privacy you have no uh, self-determination. You just do what you're told. Make bricks. Make bricks without straw. Make more bricks. You have no dignity as a slave. If uh, your owner decides that the girls or the women are to his liking, they have no choice. They just do what they're told. <clears throat> it's been that way with slavery throughout history. So, he says, no one covered you, no one took care of you, and I entered into a covenant with you, says the eternal God, and you became mine. Well, what's he speaking of there? When he got them away from their slave, slave owners, brought them out into the desert, we come to Sinai, and there he made a covenant with them as a nation. So he's, he's going through their history here, <clears throat> leading up to what they've become. Now, in 430 years, they had gone from a large family of 70 to millions of people. And they did not know God, as I said, and they belonged to the Egyptians. So he said, I want you to be mine. And as a woman, it was like a marriage contract. And in fact, he even talks about a marriage contract uh, in the prophecies. And then how he came to divorce her. So what did he do? I washed you with water. Took them through the Red Sea. A form of baptism, as it's to we're told in the New Testament. Yes, I thoroughly washed away the blood from you, and I anointed you with oil. So he set them aside in that covenant, to be a special people. And then he said, I clothed you also with broidered work, and shod you with badger skin, and I girded you about with fine linen, and I covered you with silk. Uh, I, the tabernacle in the wilderness is similar to this. Uh, I sh let's see. I decked you also with ornaments, and I put bracelets on your hands, and a chain on your neck. A jewel in your forehead, or nose actually is in the Hebrew, and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown upon your head. So God fixed her up out there, uh, took her away from being just a slave that anybody could do anything they wanted with to a special people. And he caused the tabernacle in the wilderness to be covered with gold and with badger skins and with beautiful ornamentation. Where did they get that gold and silver over in the Middle East? 
there is none. How'd they get it on the ark? Well, it wasn't in the Middle East. <laughs> you just have to get it all figured out. <clears throat> so right here is permission for girls to put jewels in their noses because that's what God did to Israel. Uh, technically, I don't see a problem with that because that's something that God said He did with Israel. It's part of the ornamentation and decoration. I think if we look at it today, it might not be an advisable thing to do because of what it is in our society. It's part of the rebellion against society as we have known it and the culture that we have known it. And therefore, they're putting them in their eyelids and in their noses and in their lips and in their ears and in their down to their toes, all the way in between, everything. Uh, are all jeweled and decked out. So, uh, it is a sign of the rebellion against culture. And rebellion is as witchcraft. So, I think we have to be careful. Is it the time and the place for this, this, or that? In its right time and place, it might be fine, but under certain circumstances, it might not be the way to go. How did Paul put it? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. There are certain times you don't go certain places and do certain things because uh, even though it might not be sin, it might not be wise at the moment. So all things have to be taken into account that way. On the other hand, if somebody shows up with a jewel in their nose, uh, I can't say that's sin. Can I? No, I don't think I could. I might have said, I don't think that's the wise or the prudent thing to do right now. Maybe not expedient, but you're not breaking the law. I hope you don't snag it on something. Whatever. So he says in verse 13, You were decked with gold and silver, and your raiment was of fine linen and silk embroidered work. You did eat fine flour and honey and oil, and you were exceeding beautiful and did prosper into a kingdom. So there he's talking about when Joshua led them into the promised land. And they had all kinds of wealth. They had fine fertile fields. They had uh, the uh, gold and silver, the jewelry, the gems, and all these things when they went in. <clears throat> And your renown went forth among the heathen for your beauty, for it was perfect through my comeliness, which I had put on you, says the eternal God. Now, we've gone through this experience in this nation 430 years ago. The first permanent colony apparently was founded, and we were given this beautiful, bountiful land, the whole sea to shining sea being an expanded promised land as God said in the Old Testament or Deuteronomy I think that he would probably do so he gave us the whole thing and everything we could possibly want or need was within the shores of this land and our renown went out among the heathen did it not where it became America was the goal the promised land, the, the American dream it was put. But what's the difference? Because everybody looked to America. Now we've hammered on the whole earth to the point they hate us. But that envy turned to jealousy over time. But you'd have to say that he is paralleling what happened in this nation with what happened when Israel originally went into the Promised Land. Even the pilgrims, when they came over here, mostly from England at first and then other parts of Europe, were under oppression and uh, enforced prison over debt, debtor's prisons, and that kind of thing, and they wanted out from under a bad regime. So they came over here. Well, Israel came out of 430 years of being in a bad regime 
and then was blessed. We came in, got blessed, and went through 430 years of destroying ourselves. So here's where we come in, really. I'd given you everything that you needed. That's what he says in Deuteronomy 8, 7, and 8. The promised land would have everything you need. And then comes the problem, verse 15. But you did trust in your own beauty and played the harlot because of your renown and poured out your fornications on every one that passed by, his it was. America's open for business. He uses the example of a harlot here opening her feet. He says that later, and that exact parallel. So we were willing to do business, uh, idolatry, uh, make... Uh, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Alliances with other nations, uh, such as NATO, will join together for protection. Now, what had God told Israel in the beginning, and what does God tell us? He is our protection. He is the one that will take care of us. He is our defense. And yet America made alliances all over the world, especially NATO, to defend ourselves instead of having God defend us. So we became a war machine. So we played politics with any and everyone, wherever, and made those alliances instead of sticking with God. Now, he tells us the same thing as a church, doesn't he? He says, when you see all these things coming to pass, turn to God. He will be your defense. He will be a wall of fire around you. He will run the Assyrian off from you. He says, don't fear this alliance that's coming against America. I will take care of you, fear me. He tells us that all through the prophecies, Old and New Testament, that he will be our protection. And he says, the one time I do let that army come and get you, Matthew 24, flee for your very lives and you will be protected. But if you worry about security and there's something in the house that you think you really have to have, you're putting that ahead of my instruction and whatever it is that's in that house has become an idol to you. Clear? Yeah. Do what God said. Follow what He said. There might come a time when you want to haul a baby along with you all the time. You're not going back in the house after it. <laughs> Sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? Well, think ahead. When you see these things coming to pass, be ready. Be active. Be alert. Be watchful. And know that it's getting close. And be sure everything you need to take is there. You might whistle for the dog, but you're not supposed to go back on top of the house or in the house. Just when you see those armies coming, when you realize they're here, you go. No hesitation. So there are conditions at some point to God's protection. That happened at the Red Sea. They came up, they marched there, they looked back and saw the Egyptians coming. What do we do? What do we do? Moses told the people, move forward. Said what? <laughs> There's four foot waves coming in. Are we going to go forward? Yep. Okay. The sea parted. See? They, they had to do what God said. There was, they had no choice. We'll have no choice at that point. It's time to go. Go. So God lays it all out for us. But we want to depend on other things. America depends on everything but God now. Our military, our ability to grow food, our opioids. I just read an article about that this morning. That is an incredible plague that's going on. Opioids are killing more Americans now than all car accidents and all shootings, all murders every year in this nation. Upwards of 50,000 people a year dying from opioid 
overdoses and, and the cumulative effect. And there, there's a one family making billions of dollars producing those pills. So we depend on doctors, we depend on military, we depend on the almighty dollar. There's just so many things that we put ahead of God today that we think are going to save us. That's what he's talking about. Uh, and of your garments, verse 16, you did take and decked your high places with different colors and played the harlot thereupon. The like thing shall not come, neither shall it be so. So don't go there. He, we've taken the blessings God's given us and turned them to evil use. You've taken your fair jewels of my gold and my silver, which I had given you. He said in the promised land, he'd give you all those things, and you'd have need of nothing. And made to yourself images of males, Hebrew says, not men, and did commit whoredom with them. So what do we have? We have phallic symbols uh, in the courtyard of the White House and the Capitol building of the Washington Monument. I use that one because it's the most obvious. Uh, and we have those all over the country. And now, on a even lower level, you can go to all kinds of stores now that sell you sex toys that you can set on the dresser or whatever and use them when you want. Uh, it's just abominable. So we've made images of men, phallic symbols, uh, and commit whoredom with them, both literally and nationally with other nations. And took you broidered garments and covered them, and you've set my oil and my incense before them. You've taken all those good things I gave you and are using them for other purposes. My food also which I gave you, fine flour and oil and honey, wherewith I fed you, you have even set it before them for a sweet savor, and thus it was, says the eternal God. Here's a terrible abomination in verse 20. Moreover, you have taken your sons and your daughters, whom you have borne to me, as little Israelites, and these have you sacrificed to them to be devoured, is this of the, your whoredoms a small matter? And you've slain my children and delivered them to cause them to pass through the fire for them. There's abortion. We've killed millions and millions and millions of babies. What was that? Something sticks in my mind like 33 million now we've killed. That may not be a correct figure and it goes up every day, but it's been millions and millions of Israelites that have been aborted and killed. In, in a horrible fashion, the way they do it. And also, it's becoming more and more obvious all along that Washington is running a huge pedophile factory, as is Hollywood, and it's just beginning to come out of all the stuff that's going on, sex trafficking across this nation. We're selling our children to wealthy people in other countries. It's pretty well documented now that Child Protective Services takes kids away from parents and sells them into sex trade. Uh, it, it's, it's just now beginning to surface, but underneath there is more corruption than we can even imagine. But it's all going to come out. Verse 22, And in all your abominations and your whoredoms you have not remembered the days of your youth when you were naked and bare and were polluted in your blood. Do we remember back and recount those things from our slavery in Mitzrayim and read about them in the Scriptures and say, I don't want to be that way. I want to serve God, not Mitzrayim, not Egypt. Egypt became a type of sin where you serve someone other than God as we serve our culture and the things that man and Satan have created today. So do you look back and say, don't go there. See, You, you go back to Ezekiel 16. <laughs> See, do you go there? Do you read this? Do you say, I don't want to go there. I don't want to be that way. And yet, we can read this and should 
and realize that it's the things he's talking about are going on in our nation right now, today, happening. There are babies being pulled out of their mother's womb and killed today. There are children being used as sex slaves at age 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 today. You need a close example? Just go to Kanab. 49-year-old realtor just killed himself this morning, or yesterday, whenever it was, because his computer and his house were full of images of little girls and older girls and women that he'd been stalking for years and years. And now that they caught up with him, he went out in the yard apparently and shot himself. So, you know, it's everywhere. It's next door. I mean, it's, it's right there in Kanab. That's what I mean by that. And right here in Colorado City and Cane Beds, for that matter. It's everywhere. Verse 23, And it came to pass, after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you. Doesn't he start pronouncing woes in the book of Revelation? Says the eternal God that you have also built unto you an imminent place and have made you an high place in every street. You go and across America and you see churches with steeples. There's your phallic symbol. Nearly every church in America has a, a male member sticking up on it. Now what he just said back there, uh, that's, that's on our houses of worship, if you will. Now they've got one up in uh, Cedar City. It's not far away. Huge Muslim... Uh, they don't call them temples. Um, mosque. mosque. Right up on top of the highest hill there in Cedar City. they got lights shining on it at night. So, not just churchianity, but now we have the Muslims. You built your high place at the head of every street and made your beauty to be abhorred and have openly opened your feet to everyone that passed by and multitude uh, multiplied your whoredoms. <coughs> We've invited the Muslims in. We've invited the Gentiles in with their religions. Europe is being overrun now and destroyed because of just what he's saying here. And America is not very far behind. We have been inviting people in who hate us by the tens and hundreds of thousands. And they're all over this country now. And trouble is coming. It's already here, isn't it? Las Vegas isn't very far away, is it? <laughs> About 160 miles from here to where that thing occurred. We go to the airport fairly often, don't we? Off and on, go right near Mandalay Bay when you go to the airport in Las Vegas. You want to go where there's crowds? I think I'm all done with that. Verse 26, you've also committed fornication with the Egyptians. That means uh, the sinful world around us. Your neighbors, great of flesh, or in the ways of the flesh, would be a good way to put that. <coughs> not the ways of God, but the ways of flesh. <clears throat> and have increased your whoredoms to provoke me to anger. Behold, therefore I have stretched out my hand over you, and have diminished your ordinary food, and delivered you to the will of them that hate you, the daughters of the Philistines, which are ashamed of your lewd way. Now we entered into prophecy here in verse 27. Uh, he's just describing what we are. And then in verse 27, he says, I've diminished your food. Well, we are right at the cusp of that happening with the Mississippi uh, running almost dry and the harvest being bad with floods and droughts and fires and you name it. We're not very far away from our ordinary food being destroyed. And being delivered to those who hate us, which are ashamed of your lewd way. I, I heard of a situation in where one of the church girls, not, not here, but somewhere else, I won't even begin to say where, who uh, had gone to Aspen to work 
the winter tourist trade is a, I don't know, food server or maid or whatever. She'd grown up in the church. Been taught right ways all her life. Been protected, everything else. And then she got out there with, there were, I guess, there were a few other church kids there as well. But they had rented apartments and so on, and they were running back and forth and partying from apartment to apartment. And this girl would bring a different guy home every night, and she would run around the apartment stark naked in front of all these people. And I had someone who was there who saw all this, who was had grown up in the church, and said that she was so wild and so brazen that even the kids of the world were ashamed of her behavior. It was so bad. Sometimes church kids, have, especially preachers' kids, have to prove that they aren't goody-two-shoes. And I use that example because what did this just to say? The Philistines, which are ashamed of your lewd way, that even the Gentiles can't abide what Israel has become. And who exports the garbage Hollywood, that's where it comes from, all over the world. I have seen hardly any local television in, in Australia or New Zealand or Africa or anywhere you go, Europe, turn on the telly, what do you get? American garbage. Small towns in South Africa where I've stayed, turn on a television, American garbage. They produce very, very little of their own. Hardly any nation around the world produces very much. It all comes from here. And it is so shameful and so despicable. But we are worse than the Gentiles around us. That's what he's trying to tell us. You have played the whore also with the Assyrians, because you were insatiable. Yea, you played the harlot with them, and yet could not be satisfied. There's never enough for America and its military uh, political combination. We want to control the whole world. We want to rule the whole world. We want the world to do exactly as we say and follow our culture. There's a big deal about the Russians now. And uh, they can't find any evidence, I guess, that Trump colluded with them to fix the uh, election. But they're finding all kinds of things where the Clintons sold American uranium to the Russians. That's pretty well documented by now. And uh, some of that's beginning to come out. So she hid from the public and claimed a broken toe recently, so she couldn't make a public appearance. I don't want to get into all the politics, but have we run to the Assyrian and look to them? Hosea says we will. The whole book's about how we, like a silly dove, run to the Assyrian for her help. <laughs> you know, the Assyrian's going to come and destroy us along with a lot of other nations, so like a stupid, silly dove, we just fly willy-nilly all over looking for help to sustain what we have built here, and it can't be sustained. But they're still trying. We're so far in debt, we're going under regardless. I mean, the handwriting is on the wall in bold, all capital letters. There's no saving America. God has said, I'm going to send all this. So we've even made alliances with those who are going to turn and destroy us. Could not be satisfied. Verse 29, You have moreover multiplied your fornication in the land of Canaan unto Chaldea, and yet you were not satisfied herewith. We're not satisfied no matter what we do. We've got to destroy Libya. We've got to destroy Afghanistan, Iraq. You name it, we've we got to whoop them. Vietnam, Korea... How weak is your heart? I referred to this the other day when we were reading about a heart 
says the eternal God, seeing that you do all these things, the work of an imperious, whorish woman. Uh, a whorish woman is very selfish. She's willing to do anything to get money. Uh, she's greedy. She wants, she wants, she wants. And we will do anything to satiate our desires. Whatever we want, and we want it now. We're never satisfied. Who is ever satisfied with the amount of money he has, or the size of his house, or how fancy his car is? Americans aren't. Always want more, 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 more. Bigger and better. Never satisfied. Verse 31, In that you build eminent place in the head of every way, and mark your high place in every street, and have been as an harlot, in that you scorn hire. So, we were this bad in that we had a phallic symbol on every church and behind every pulpit. Now, with Hollywood, they strip off and show those things literally on movies and their sex scenes. It's just gotten rawer and rawer and rawer, hasn't it? You make your high place in every street, and you have been an harlot, in that you scorn higher. But as a wife that commits adultery, which takes strangers instead of her husband... They give gifts to all whores, but you give your gifts to all your lovers and hire them that they may <clears throat> come to you on every side for your whoredom. So America does these things, and we, in our foreign aid program, we go out to help here and help there. We're paying them to service us. That's what it amounts to. And the contrary is in you from other women and their whoredoms, whereas none follows you to commit whoredoms, in that you give a reward and no reward is given you. Therefore, you are contrary. So you're, you're worse than a normal whore. You don't, they don't pay you, you pay them. Verse 35, Wherefore, O harlot, that's pretty plain language, he calls Israel a harlot, Hear the word of the Eternal. Thus says the Eternal God, Because your filthiness was poured out and your nakedness discovered through your whoredoms with your lovers and with all the idols of your abominations and by the blood of your children, which you did give to them, behold, therefore, I will gather all your lovers with whom you have taken pleasure and all them that you have loved with all them that you have hated I will even gather them round about against you and will discover your nakedness unto them that they may see all your nakedness. So what goes around comes around. And God says, you've made yourself a whore. All right, here's my judgment. I'm going to open your nakedness to all these people. And I will judge you as a woman that breaks wedlock and shed blood are judged with death. And I will give you blood in fury and jealousy. Blood will be running in our streets. And I will also give you into their hand, and they shall throw down your eminent place, and shall break down your high places. They shall strip you also of your clothes, and shall take your fair jewels, and leave you naked and bare. So this nation is going to just simply be stripped of everything that has value by the Gentiles and the heathen who are coming in that we have beat up on in the past and made alliances with in the past. They'll all turn on us. They shall also bring up an army against you, and they shall stone you with stones and thrust you through with their swords. You want to be part of the American culture? Here's what's going to happen to you. You want to imbibe of the things of this nation and this culture? They shall burn your houses with fire. There is some speculation and some evidence, perhaps, 
that most of those fires in Northern California were set and set by some of our enemies as acts of terrorism. They're burning our houses with fire already. It's going to get worse. And execute judgments upon you in the sight of many women, other nations. Everybody will see it. Isn't that what it says in Revelation 18? They'll all stand back and see the smoke of your burning. And they will cry out because they see their wealth being destroyed. Now, they won't care about us, but they care about their wealth. (laughs) I think that's the sense of what he says in Revelation 18. I will cause you to cease from playing the harlot, and you shall give no hire any more. Starving to death, uh, eating our own children, eating our husbands and wives, and you're not going to be a harlot anymore. You're going to be fighting for your very life. You won't have all the things that you have had. So what's God doing? He's getting people's attention so that in the great white throne judgment, they'll turn to God. Or in the millennium, if they live through this, they'll turn to God. So will I make my fury toward you to rest, and my jealousy shall depart from you, and I will be quiet and will be no more angry. Now we can breathe a little sigh of relief. (laughs) After over 90% of us are killed or in captivity... God's anger will be taken away. Because you have not remembered the days of your youth, but have fretted me in all these things, behold, therefore, I also will recompense your way upon your head, says the eternal God. You've beat up on nations. You've gone whoring and making alliances. Well, they're going to make alliances against you, and they will come and destroy you. What goes around comes around. Whatever Americans have done around the world, rape, murder, pillage, kill, coming right back on us. And you shall not commit this lewdness above all your abominations. So he says, Behold, everyone that uses Proverbs shall use this proverb against you, saying, As is the mother, so is her daughter. You are your mother's daughter that loathed her husband and her children. (coughs) So he's using in prophecy here the story of ancient Israel and how they departed from God and served idols and us who have also departed from God and served idols. Just like our mother of old, we're the daughter today. And you are the sister of your sisters which loathed their husbands and their children your mother was an Hittite, your father an Amorite. He says, you've become just like all the nations around you. <coughs> You're no different. <coughs> and your elder sister, or greater sister, is Samaria, she and her daughters that dwelt at your left hand. And your younger sister that dwelt at your right hand is Sodom and her daughters. So he says, whether it's Jews whether it's the other Israelites or whoever it is, uh, you're just like the world around you and the same as Sodom. And there's another one of the biggest things that's happening in American culture today is sexual perversion in terms of homosexuality, sodomy, uh, (coughs) and homosexuality of every kind, just like Sodom. Yet have you not walked after their ways, nor done after their abominations, but as if that were a very little thing, you have corrupted more than they in all your ways. So you're even worse than they were. As I live, says the eternal God, Sodom, your sister, has not done, she nor her daughters, as you have done, you and your daughters. Behold, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom, Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. 
What do we talk about in America? Our pride. Proud to be an American. We're proud of having plenty of food. And we can even share it with others. Abundance of idleness. We love to have time off. We try not to work any more than we have to. I mean, speaking generally, not everybody's that way, of course. And we're absorbed with self, not others, as a people. They were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. God just doesn't like pride. He doesn't like haughtiness. He doesn't like sin. Neither has Samaria committed half of your sins, but you have multiplied your abominations more than they. It's become a nationwide cultural phenomenon. Marriage doesn't mean anything anymore in America, does it? Almost nothing. You come in and out of marriages like swinging doors. Or it's gotten now to the point, don't even bother to get married. It ain't going to last anyway, so why commit to that? Just live in, and uh, you can move on when you want. So, I think that's worse here than it is in most of the Gentile nations. They still marry, most of them. Well, the Japs are getting where the guys don't want to marry anymore. It's, it's becoming a worldwide phenomenon, but a lot of it started here. <clears throat> you also, which have judged your sisters, bear your own shame for your sins that you have committed more abominable than they. They're more righteous than you. Yes, be you confounded also and bear your shame that you have justified your sisters. Everybody does it. The other nations do. We can too. When I shall bring again their captivity, the captivity of Sodom and her daughters, and the captivity of Samaria and her daughters, then will I bring the captivity of your captives in the midst of them, that you may bear your own shame and may be confounded in all that you have done, and that you are a comfort to them. They'll say, we're not the only ones that are suffering. So are they. So are those Americans. When your sisters, Sodom, and her daughters shall return to their former estate, and Samaria and her daughters shall return to their former estate, then you and your daughters shall return to your former estate. For your sister Sodom was not mentioned by your mouth in the day of your pride. We're not ashamed of anything in America. We're proud. We think we're still a good nation. I won't say Christian nation anymore. A lot of people used to characterize us as that. But I don't think we use, can you even use that term anymore? We still look upon ourselves as a good nation, though, as a prosperous nation that will not go down. Most Americans think that there's no trouble, everything's fine, we'll be okay. As soon as we get the mortgage paid, everything will be all right. No, it won't. Let's see. Verse 57. Before your wickedness was discovered, as at the time of your reproach of the daughters of Syria, all that are round about her, the daughters of the Philistines, which despise you round about, you have borne your lewdness and your abomination, says the Eternal. You're going you're to carry them. You're going to be punished for them. The whole world will see them. They'll see you stripped naked. <clears throat> For thus says the eternal God, I will even deal with you as you have done. You beat up on other nations, you're going to get beat up on. Which you have despised the oath and breaking the covenant. We're buying sex slave children from all over the world. Our children are going to be sold into sex slavery all over the world. It's already being done on a small scale with the elite, but it's going to be done on a major scale when we go into captivity. They'll take our children and do with them as they please all over the world. That's what's going to happen to American children. Sad. But we're not going to repent. and It's going to happen. 
Verse 60, Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish you another everlasting covenant. Old covenant and a new covenant. A new covenant is the New Testament covenant that Christ made with us, but he's going to establish it also with the nation in the millennium. A new covenant then, where he will offer them peace and prosperity and blessing if they will obey him. And then if they don't obey him, uh, there will be consequences. No more of this do what you want anymore. Then shall you remember your ways and be ashamed when you shall receive your sisters, your elder and your younger, and I will give them to you for daughters, but not by your covenant. (laughs) I'm not going to give you back what you had and let you do with it as you did. It's going to be by His covenant, His rules, His ways. And I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall know that I am the Eternal. What we have just read is what it's going to take for Americans to recognize God again for what He really is. Sad, but it's the only way that it can ever be accomplished. And I will establish my covenant with you, and you'll know that I am the Eternal, that you may remember and be confounded and never open your mouth anymore because of your shame. When I am pacified toward you for all that you have done, says the Eternal. We won't want to remember our past. When the millennium starts, and people have been through what Ezekiel 16 is talking about, they're not going to stand around and talk about how great Texas was, or how great America was, and how America was the pride of the world, or any of those things. It will be utter shame. And you won't want the past talked about at all. Let's move upward and onward will be the theme. Will it be there in people's memory banks in the millennium, having just come through it if they live through it? Yeah. But they're not going to talk about American pride anymore. That's a thing of the past. And when they come up in the great white throne judgment, the ones that died in this holocaust, they won't want to think about, talk about the past either. When God says these things will no longer be remembered, partly it is that His kingdom will be so great that no one would ever want to look back on anything like has been. But part of it is also the shame and the recognition of sin that we lived, and therefore you wouldn't want to go back and talk about it or relive it. Some people in our culture today still like to talk about all their sins of the past. They like to brag about what the things that they've done. They won't anymore. Not when this is done. They won't want to go there. I've seen people sit around and they want to talk about themselves all the time. About all the things they've done and the places they've been and the people they've known. And I, I went all the way to Texas one time with somebody in back. And the whole thing, I'd say 95% of it, was a monologue about him. That's all he talked about was himself. I've had a lot of women complain that the guys start dating them and all they want to talk about is themselves. And uh, they're not impressed by that. (laughs) That's going to stop. We will have been so sinful and so wretched and will have been punished so much for it that nobody is going to want to look back. There's nothing to brag about. There's nothing to be proud of. It won't be the culture anymore. The things that people are proud of today will not exist anymore. Are people proud today? How often are they sending selfies to all anybody that will look? They're sending selfies all over the world because they're absorbed with self. Isn't that kind of what selfie says? No. People will begin to think of others 
and try to help them because they'll be so ashamed of what they've been. And he said that back here somewhere. We just read it. How you don't pay any attention to anybody else and try to take care of them. You're just so self-absorbed. All you want to take care of is yourself. So, even America's generosity in foreign aid has been selfishness. I hope we grasp that. We weren't doing it necessarily for the sake of those people. We were doing it so we could look and say, we are proud of who we are and how we've helped. We're so wonderful that we've helped others. And it becomes a source of pride, not of humility and really wanting to help. There's stuff going to Puerto Rico right now that's being dumped in the harbors and not even given to the people. Because people got paid for it. And now they don't... That's work to distribute it. Why bother? We're selfish to the core. We do things to make others think well of us as a nation. And then we do things to destroy nations if they don't think well of us and do everything we want them to do. We're vile. We're just utterly vile as a nation. Did you get the sense of that here? (laughs) If we're Israelites, this is us. God says He's going to put it on us, and then He's going to, His anger will dissipate, and then He will begin to bless, and people will finally serve Him. That's the whole point of everything that we see going on in our nation as it escalates and gets worse day by day, week by week, and month by month until we are totally destroyed. And then we'll no longer go a-whoring. We will be trying to survive. So, on that good note, let's stop for today.